not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. But did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Karen, our guest, film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, everybody. This is Ben Glebe. Last week on Earth has begun. You are listening. We are the Brain Trust, trying to figure out this bonkers planet as best we can. And the way to do it is one issue at a time. A lot to figure out, a lot for us to tackle. So we have to start, as we always do, with the with the big story. The number one story of the week, but not yet. So not quite starting, but non-starting, rather. Because I just want to tell you briefly, as I like to, what I did the last week on Earth. I was in Minnesota. It was one degree, and then sometimes it was zero degrees, and sometimes ten. There was a huge snowstorm. Did it affect my crowd sizes? A little bit, it did. On the day of the storm, not huge crowds. The rest of the time, it was lovely. Even that night was good, you know. But every time I go to Minnesota to Rick Bronson's House of Comedy in the Mall of America, I call it America's Mall. I pack so many cold clothes, like warm clothes for cold weather, because it's always uh, snowing there when I go. Because I always go on a one-year you know, cycle during winter. And I always pack then several bags and have too many bags. And I forget that I will be in the mall the entire time. My hotel is attached to the mall. I will not need warm clothes. I am bringing extra things for nothing. I was there for five days. I was out in the cold for literally two minutes. One for an Instagram video to show how you could bear the cold and come to my shows. And the other one was uh, going to do media, the Jason show. Simple name, nice show, good time. Um, as to other shows, I will be tonight at the Comedy Store. You'll miss it by the time this comes out. Main room, amazing lineup with Adam Ray and Joey Coco Diaz and Angela Johnson and Quinn Dale. I don't think that's actually true. Kyle Kinane, I meant to say. Really good lineup. Somebody else good. Brian Callen's on the show. It's going to be a good one. You're going to miss it. Sorry to say that. But this Thursday through Sunday night, I'll be at the House of Comedy in Phoenix, Arizona. So tell all your Phoenix people to roll out to that. Then at the end of February, I'll be in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Now we get to the big story of the week. You know, we cover politics, pop culture, trends, weird stories, and our thunder round later on. But we got to start with the biggest, most pressing story of the week. Pitt and Aniston bump into each other backstage. 
at the uh, SAG Awards. Brad Pitt won an award for Everybody Cries in Hollywood. I'm sorry, that might be my life story's title. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino tale. Won the award, made fun of his own role in his speech. Said, this is really a stretch for me playing a stoner who is single late in his life. And then Jennifer Aniston won for The Morning Show, a show I highly recommend it. Haven't seen it, but I recommend it to all of you. And, my God, Brad Pitt was watching her backstage. And we finally got the Brad Pitt-Jennifer Aniston reunion we have been longing for for so damn long. And they held each other's hand. He grabbed her wrist a little bit too long. She walked away at the end. It was perfect. A lot of people flipping down on social media. I don't know if I was ready for this, and I wasn't ready either. I feel like together we can probably collectively make it through. So many of my female friends on Instagram, Twitter, flipping out, saying, oh, this is the greatest. I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. Why is this a fairy tale we're interested in? Why do we want them to get back together? Just because they're pretty? Do you not remember that he cheated on her and then married the woman he cheated on her with, Angelina Jolie, and then had 400 children with her? Seems like not a cool thing to do. And not to say forgiveness shouldn't be a thing. It certainly can be. But that's more of a thing you're like, oh, you forgave him and you're back together? Okay. Not like, please let the one who hurt her so badly get back for the chance to do it again. Who knows? Why am I talking about it still? Let's move on to the for real. Biggest story of the week. Pete Davidson broke up with miniature Cindy Crawford. Kaya Gerber, Garber Baby, Garber Baby, Baby Foods. Um, all I know is this woman, Kaya Garber, looks a lot like Cindy Crawford, and it's her daughter. And they broke up. And I just wanted to remind you that previous to this, Pete Davidson, who suffers from mental health issues, tweeted suicidal things in the past, has also, just in recent history, dated Kate Beckinsale and Ariana Grande. So we're talking now three of the hottest women on earth. And if ever there was a doubt in your mind still, some shred of doubt, that mental health issues are not real, and that mental illness is something someone exaggerates, let Pete Davidson put that to rest. Because my God, if being with those women doesn't cure you, nothing can. So, clearly it's a real thing, because, I mean, how would that not have just wiped it away? In more cute couple news, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren call each other liars. You might have seen it. After the CNN debate, their mics were hot. Elizabeth Warren goes up to Bernie. After the moderator brought up the big story of the week between them, how it seemed like the Warren camp came out saying that Bernie talked 
to her privately before the campaigns began for both of them and said he didn't believe a woman could win this cycle against Trump. Bernie denied it. During the debate as well. Lizzie Warren goes up to Bernie Sanzi and says, I believe you called me a liar on national television. He goes, excuse me? She goes, you called me a liar on national television. He goes, please, we're not going to do this now. You called me a liar on television. We're not going to do it now. And he walked away to a befuddled Tom Steyer wearing an Irish kilt tie. And that weird belt he always wears. And this is tough, man. They're fighting. They are fighting and they're the two progressives on the far left. They're supposed to be together. I'd heard they, they made a pact that whichever one of them wins the nomination, the other one will be their VP. This can't be good signs for that. But also, it turns out that the next day, of course, because Bernie bros are too ridiculous, started a hashtag called Never Warren. They will never support Elizabeth Warren. Are you out of your fucking mind? If you don't, and I'll say it for the billionth time, Blindly support whatever Democrat gets the nomination. You will get four more years of Donald Trump. And the world will be in soups, bad places, okay? And our planet and our democracy will be crumbling. We don't want to be crumbling, do we? No, okay? So support whoever gets the nomination. The candidate themselves will. So certainly the candidate supporters should also... Don't be more ideologically pure than your candidate who you support. That doesn't make any damn sense. Don't make any damn sense, and I think you know it. Turns out even it looks like what really happened is the Warren camp wasn't the one that leaked it. It was from an off-the-record press breakfast that leaked it. You never know what really happens behind the scenes in these things. Having run a campaign myself, I know that there's a lot of Intrigue you're not always aware of. We have to rally behind the nominee. So if you want to even go and make sure that the nominee wins, since there's going to be so much money against Trump's insane war chest, donate to the Democratic Unity Fund. If you want, you can still go to Ben, I'm sorry, you can still go to Glebe2020.com. Click on the donate buttons, which now take you directly to the Democratic Unity Fund and no longer to my campaign. Um, we've really got to get ourselves together in a more serious way if we're going to possibly move on. Also, Bernie claims that he never says, never said that a woman couldn't win this cycle. He just says that he believes a woman will unleash all of Trump's misogyny and it'll be very challenging. Not that she can't win. You don't know what's said behind closed doors. That's why they said behind closed doors. That's the whole point of doors being closed. You can't hear behind them. It's one of the major reasons doors get closed. New York Times endorses a presidential candidate. People always wait with bated breath. Who are they going to choose? Take a stand. Lead us towards a candidate that you think will lead us towards the future that America needs. Who did they, they endorse? Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar. What? They literally said they couldn't decide. And they endorsed both, saying that the Democratic Party and the people in the country, when they're about to vote in these primaries... Needs to decide between those two different ideological wings of the party. Klobuchar wanting to get some progressive things done, but really being a centrist that has it more together currently than Biden. 
seems to be in the and Biden's badly run campaign. And Warren being far on the left, but not as far on the left or as uncompromising as Bernie, who says he literally won't compromise on most things, just that he believes the country and the Congress will just fall in line once he energizes them and gets elected. So Warren, while not being as extreme on the things that we need necessarily, um, hopefully we'll be able to make compromise enough that we can get big drastic structural change. And I'm still torn. Who I personally want. I'll be announcing my endorsement in the coming weeks. Probably after the Iowa vote. I'd like to see the first vote before I endorse one camp or the other. But it is not good that we are so split on the Democratic side of our politics that even in our endorsements, we can't endorse somebody. One passage from the article in the New York Times that I thought was pretty spot on and telling was as follows, the history of the editorial board would side squarely with the candidate, would suggest that we would side squarely with the candidate with a more traditional approach to pushing the nation forward within the realities of a constitutional framework and a multi-party country. But the events of the past few years have shaken the confidence of even the most committed institutionalists. We are not veering away from the values we espouse, but we are rattled by the weakness of the institutions that we trusted to undergird those values. And undergird, very weird word. Sounds like the girdle of an old lady knitting by the fire in a black and white rocking chair film. That's the kind of porn that I used to be into. Black and white, 1800 rocking chair porn. Shared too much there for sure. But they continued. There are legitimate questions about whether... Our democratic system is fundamentally broken. Our elections are getting less free and less fair. Congress and the courts are increasingly partisan. Foreign nations are flooding society with, with misinformation. The deluge of money. Deluge normally is a word reserved for like a wild rivers water park kind of thing where you get a deluge of water on top of your head or it helps you float down with the tube. In this case, we're talking about a deluge of money flowing through our politics, corrupting the whole damn thing. And the economic mobility that made the American dream possible is vanishing. Both the radical and the realist models warrant serious consideration, they say. And I guess apparently Klobuchar and Warren warrant serious consideration. If there were ever a time to be open to new ideas, it is now, the New York Times continued. If there were ever a time to seek stability, now is it. And quickly, if I may just say on money and politics... While I have regrets, and by the way, that, that analysis is so spot on, because we have to consider both sides true, but of course, but we have to, I think they hit right on the head so sharply there, the major issues we are facing. It is a deluge of issues. We are soaking wet in corruption and heading the wrong way down tracks that only go one way, and tracks don't even go one way, and somehow Trump figured out how to make them only work to the left, to the right, to the backwards. You get it? But quickly on money and politics. While I have my regrets for sure about things I and we could have done differently in my campaign, when I read the following passage, it reminded me how proud I am of what we accomplished during our campaign, considering that even though we finished 15th highest in fundraising as an active campaign at that time for, for the active Democrats, we raised a total of just $69,000, an amount I'm very proud of. 
and we ran it and made it last a very long time. But Michael Bloomberg, as a point of comparison, so far in just a few months, has spent $217 million of his own money and is barely registering in the polls. He's towards the bottom of the pack. Not even trying to get into the debates, but he's still one of the major players, but at the bottom of that for 217 mills bills. 69,000 last eight months. He's done that in just like three or four months. So if you don't see the incredibly stark, sharp contrast there and how money controls everything, you wrong. You wrong, boo. And one last passage from their endorsement that I think also really put the stakes in great clarity. And it's very similar to what I was saying the whole time on the campaign trail. The next president will shape the direction of America's prosperity and the future of the planet, perhaps irrevocably. The current president, meanwhile, is a threat to democracy. Mm-hmm, child. They didn't write that part. He was impeached for strong-arming Ukraine into tampering with the 2020 election. There is no reason patriotic Americans should not be open to every chance to replace him at the ballot box. Yeah, every chance. That was the whole argument of my campaign. We need to be open to every damn chance to replace him. And we have not been. The media actively squelched voices. The New York Times itself squelched my voice. I was offering a different chance to beat him. To at least change the conversation. They were like, "Mm, we're good with the current establishment candidates. Well, that's on you. Let's pray we still make it. Let's pray that we can. We're gonna make it after all. I'm sorry for singing right there. It was a serious moment, and I undergirded it. Is that even a word? Probably not. I also wanted to, for for a moment, make an apology to Joe Biden. Well, he's still not my candidate of choice. And like I said, I don't think he's running a great campaign at all. I, on the campaign trail, <coughs> was very critical of the way he was speaking in these debates and in many speeches. And he's certainly prone to gaffes. And those gaffes are on him. And he should not be making big gaffes in a time when we need to be as focused and sharp as possible. But some of the amount where I would say he, wouldn't finish, he couldn't finish a single sentence lately, I learned after I said all that as a friend forwarded me an article, that he actually has had a lifelong speech problem, a stutter, that I myself also had and dealt with my whole life. And that is tough. That is not something that is easy to overcome for sure. And he still hasn't overcome it. I didn't realize that. I didn't even know he had one, let alone not having still overcome it. And so I think a lot of times when he mid-sentence seems to lose track and shift what he's saying, he's actually finding a different thing that he can say, a different sound he can make. This is something that I used to do when I had that problem when I was a kid. And so for that, I apologize. I'm not ever trying to make fun of somebody with a speech problem. Um, But when he says, at the end of the debate, go to 30333 and join Joe... And that's a text code and not a website, and you didn't say it at all correctly. And you're showing you don't know how to even speak modern language, let alone understand current technology and a plethora of other problems, like saying, like saying, poor kids don't have as many opportunities as, as white kids. 
or going on and on about your leg hair during a speech with children surrounding you, that's not a speech problem. That's just weird moments. Water, she's tasty. Another important story. I wanted to make sure I was the first to break it to you. Build-A-Bear is going to have a baby Yoda doll. Make sure you get in line for that and camp out if you can. First time I've actually been interested in getting a Build-A-Bear myself. Although, wouldn't you want to build it just however Baby Yoda looks and not like in a business suit? So maybe just buying the doll instead of building your own would be the better move. Trump lied about imminent attacks. Trump lied. It's his justification. It came out during this last week on Earth for taking out the number three man in the Iranian government, they started saying number two because the media couldn't even deal with it being three. They had to up it for taking out Soleimani. Trump just couldn't have said, I authorized this a long time ago. He's a bad guy. I want to take him out. No, he always has to throw huge lies in there and said that, that they, had, they had intelligence of not one, but up to four embassies that had eminent attacks planned against them by Soleimani and his proxy networks. Made all of his administration go out and say that, Pompeo saying it. Turns out that was bullshit. They do not have that. You cannot lie to get us into yet another war. You cannot lie to the American people. Your job is to be up front with us. You can certainly sometimes say there's intelligence I can't share, but you can't say what the intelligence is and having and have made that up. Them's the rules. You do not get to pretend they're eminent attacks. That's how the Iraq war happened and led to thousands of our own citizens killed, hundreds of thousands of Iraqi innocent citizens killed, and so many billions of dollars we did not have to spend that could have been spent fixing problems here at home. I mean, are you... This guy just at every turn tries to be the biggest dick possible. And even in this one, yeah, we killed the bad guy, but he also, they have first lied, said there were no casualties at our bases. Casualty is a, a death or an injury of our troops. Turns out there were 11 troops that were injured in those missile attacks. They hit that as well. Are you joking me? And then, indirectly, Trump is responsible due to the cavalcade of chaotic circumstances that unravel Chaos theory style that you can't predict. The 747 jetliner, commercial airliner that was shot down by the Iranians, indirectly Trump's fault by just starting this thing without a good plan, surprising people with this attack. There were not imminent attacks coming towards us. And people are speculating why was that jet shot down? There were other planes taken off that day. Why did the Iranian military accidentally shoot it down? Well, that's easy. It was shot down. Think about it. Suddenly a missile kills two people in military attacks in your country. You know the U.S. is going to send, and so you send missiles back. You know the U.S. is going to respond to that. You're nervous. You see a plane, even though it's flying the opposite direction. You see a plane. You're a nervous, dude. You fire a missile, and that plane gets taken down. It's not hard to see how shit can get out of control in, in that kind of way. We got to move on to an even bigger story. Oscar nominations came out. You want to hear what the 10 best picture nominees are? I do. I'll tell you. 
Ford versus Ferrari is one of them. I don't understand how it's a movie. It sounds very stupid. But it is. It's a dumb name. Also, wouldn't Ferrari beat Ford? Didn't see it. The Irishman. That was great. The last hour of it, the first 14 hours were far too long and the story didn't go anywhere fast enough and it should have. It was a waste of everybody's time. People love to say Scorsese's a genius. Geniuses could keep things a little shorter though, huh? Be, be less of a genius if you can. Jojo Rabbit, don't want to see it. Even though it's a comedy, it's got Hitler in it as a comedic character. I don't like Hitler comedies. Call me crazy. Call me a crazy Jew whose family was killed in the Holocaust. Don't want to see Hitler comedies particularly. Tweet at me if you think I'm wrong. The Joker nominated, saw that. It was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Saw the movie all the way through. Little Women. I did not see that. I know it's a classic book about miniaturized women that get shrunk by Rick Moranis. And it's a heartwarming tale from what I understand. Marriage Story. Didn't like it that much. It's not a story about a marriage. It's a story about a divorce. It should be called Divorce Story. If it was called that, maybe i dig it. But you don't see much of that marriage at all. 1917, I'd like to see that one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we discussed it already. I didn't think it had much of a plot, but it was aight. Fun world. Thought nothing happened for far too long and it was pretty slow, but I like slow burn character movies and it was okay. Parasite. I have not seen it. It's the foreign language film that's winning everything. The Asian film. I'd like to see that. I have to read for a couple hours to do that, but okay, fine, I'll do it. And Joker received the most nominations of all films with 11, including actor in the leading role, for Joaquin Phoenix. And directing. The Irishman, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood each got 10 nominations, or nominaciones, as you say in Spanish. But it didn't go without controversy, as you will hear in this clip from NBC News. And the Oscar nominations are out. The big surprises and backlash tonight. Oscar nomination backlash. Hey, News. You can't keep the nation at a 10 permanently on everything. Every news network does it. Even Lester Holt, who I like and is one of the more chill and trustworthy seeming news anchors, this is not appropriate behavior. When even the Oscars, the one night of frivolity and lightness we're supposed to have left in the world, celebrating the, the silliness of movies is a major dramatic controversy every year, you can plainly see they're manipulating us into constantly being afraid of something. But we can't always be at level 10. Well, there's, there's huge backlash to the Oscar controversy. What? The people didn't get nominated you want to be nominated. I get it. I know there's social justice that we have to do to fix things in our society, and we will. But don't do it with such bombast. And the backlash has begun. Okay, it's the Oscars. The, not, the awards are getting more diverse, and it's not happening at the right pace that we'd like it to. Okay. We can have a conversation about it. But let's chill the fuck out a little bit. With the constant level 12 emergency. It's not like... Our entire government resigned. That would be weird if they did. Be, be welcome news. It did happen in Russia this week, though. The entire Russian government resigned. The Daily Beast reports. 
The entire Russian government resigned just hours after President Vladimir Putin, dear, dear, sweet, romantic partner of our President Donald Trump, proposed sweeping changes to the country's constitution. Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev, Medvedev and his ministers submitted the resignations to Putin directly. The agency said that Putin thanked Medvedev for his work and said the outgoing prime minister would be installed as deputy of the Presidential Security Council. They're always the same two people, Medvedev and Putin, forever in charge, just trading roles, trading positions, keeping corruption as high as humanly possible, and fucking not only their own country, but even ours now. And our president's fine with it. And they said they were resigned to give Putin the space he wants to make the changes he needs to make to their constitution. He already offered three hours later the post of prime minister to 53-year-old Mikhail Mishustin. Mishustin. You know I'm talking about Mikhail Mishustin. Good old Mikhail Mishustin. He's held several roles in the past in the government. Foreign policy, taxes, real estate. He's going to be a corrupt dude and a puppet of Putin and a Putin puppet. You see, Putin's the president of Russia, the People's Republic of Russia. No, it's not really called that. But he's the president. He used Then after he had two terms, he then became prime minister for a while because you can't have more than two terms. Then he came back to being president. And in 2024, it's going to be up again. And he's going to probably go back to being prime minister. And he wants to give himself more power as prime minister so he's not less powerful than the president. You can do that kind of stuff in fucked up countries. And now you can do that kind of stuff here. Isn't that exciting? But we got to move on to a topic that I think is more germane to our hearts. That, of course, is Megan and Harry. I got their names right. Shit. Is it Megan and Harry or is it Markley and Harkley? I can't 100% remember, to be honest with you. But everybody's speculating this week. What will their role look like now? The queen, you know, kindly accepted their stepping back from royal duties. And everybody's wondering, what will their role look like now? What shape will it take? What shape will it take? They're already mostly private people. As royals. They occasionally shake hands at charity events. That's it. They're still going to do that. What is the story here I don't understand? There is no story. I'd like to see them in finely tailored suits on TBS... On, on 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 the show finally tailored suits. We discussed it last week. I'm gonna push that to happen. Donald Trump thought the Constitution was like a foreign language. Is that surprise? Flipping anybody? <laughs> An HBO documentary reported. In a clip in a new documentary HBO has been working on. Reported uh in a four hundred and seventeen page book that just came out. By Washington Post reporters Philip Rucker and Carol D. Leonig revealed the president as dangerously uninformed. Surprise! 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 During his first three years in office, the book is called A Very Stable Genius, a quote Trump has repeatedly said about himself. I'm a very stable genius. Okay? A lot of people are saying, a lot of children are saying I'm a stable genius. Trump is quoted as saying it was unfair that companies aren't allowed to pay bribes to get business overseas, referencing the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act of 1977 that restricts U.S. firms 
and individuals from doing so. We're going to change that. He literally wants to change it so we can bribe foreign businesses. And early in this presidency, Trump participated in an HBO documentary featuring judges, lawmakers, and presidents reading aloud from the Constitution, something the president should be pretty familiar with. Trump clearly struggled with reading the text and was quoted as saying, it's like a foreign language. What's going on here? Who wrote this thing? It's like a foreign language, was the quote. I mean, you run the country, dude. It's written in English, by the way. I know you struggle with it, but try. Try a little harder. Towards the end of the book, the authors describe special counsel Robert S. Mueller being shocked after reading Attorney General William Barr's initial four-page summary of Mueller's report, of his 448-page report. People on... Mueller's team, I call him Mueller, but it's Mueller or Mueller. Who knows? It's spelled Mueller. Are you going to put an E in there? I'm going to say it sometimes. Described his reaction as, he looked as if he'd been slapped. Good. He deserved to be slapped. You did all that work. You made our nation wait in bated breath, on bated breath as well, hoping that you were going to finally do justice for us. And you come out and say, well, regardless, we can't indict a sitting president, so all my work was for nothing. Just because of one legal briefing from the past that said you couldn't. How about just set new precedent? The man is eroding our democracy. Set new damn precedent, bro. Bond girls, but no girl bond, producers report. Daniel Craig's successor as James Bond will not be a woman. This is very sad for nobody. The producer of the film series has confirmed Bond will not be a woman. My thought probably why that's happening is because the character of James Bond is not a woman. Let's create an awesome, badass, secret agent, female character, and make that movie and let a woman play that part. But James Bond shouldn't be a woman because the character is not a woman. How does that sound? Movie's coming out in April, Daniel Craig's last, as 007. And speculation, it might be a woman after that. And now it officially, according to producer Barbara Broccoli, which is the greatest name ever. Tell us your thoughts uh, on whether Bond will be a woman, Miss Broccoli. Pardon me, I'm just finishing my cauliflower and eggs. Nobody eats that combination, but apparently Broccoli said, James Bond can be of any color, but he is male. I believe we should be creating new Characters for women, strong female characters. I just said that. Now you're just taking my own points and saying them even though you said it first and I said it after you. The next Bond film will, however, see actress Lashana Lynch play a female 00 agent, just not 007. Broccoli continued. For better or worse, we are the custodians of this character. We take that responsibility seriously. I'd like to see a rescue puppy play James Bond. I think we take it next level. Go even to a different species. Ukraine launches investigation into alleged surveillance of Marie Ivanovich. Also happened during this last week, reported by Daily Beast. The good news for President Donald Trump is he finally got Ukraine to launch an investigation. The bad news is that it was into him. 
seeming to quarterback the surveillance of our own ambassador to Ukraine, carried out apparently by Parnas and Fruman, these two henchmen that Giuliani brought onto the case to work on behalf of our government, like two mob-style henchmen. She was recalled from her position, Ivanovich, back in May, following what she has described as a smear campaign against her from Trump and his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. This week, the House Democratic investigators released a trove, a treasure trove of documents obtained from the phone of Lev Parnas, showing text messages and handwritten notes saying the president knew exactly what was going on. He wouldn't make movements without the president's awareness, or at least Giuliani's awareness, usually both. In a very revealing interview with Rachel Maddow, And Ukraine's statement on the matter is that international law guarantees protection, safety, and untouchability for diplomats of any foreign state on the territory of Ukraine. Trump continues to claim he does not know this person, this Lev Parnas, Lev Larnas, Parnas, Lev Parnas. Even though he now has a series of like a billion pictures with him and video with him and has met him many, many times. Are they BFFs, I wonder aloud? This guy's now at the heart of the impeachment inquiry, the impeachment trial in the Senate. He's already been impeached, of course, Trump, but the trial whether or not to remove him from office begins in the Senate today. And the Republicans are pushing to not even have any sort of legitimate trial. They're not claiming to be – they're claiming to not be impartial jurors. They're claiming to be already biased, already decided what they're going to do and how they're going to acquit Trump. And they refuse to even call witnesses that's still being debated, and hopefully they change their mind on that. I don't know how you can make that argument. You wouldn't want to hear from witnesses we still have not heard from. They keep saying, oh, because the House ran a shoddy inv- in investigation in their trial. They should have called witnesses. Well, they tried. Trump blocked them. So call them now. Trump literally hired for his defense team this week no joke, Alan Dershowitz, another close buddy of Jeffrey Epstein, who, by the way, didn't kill himself, newsflash, who claims even if the president's found guilty of all the things he's being accused of, it's still not an impeachable offense and he shouldn't be removed. That's the kind of moronic argument that these people are making and is being given credence on every news network everywhere. And he also hired Ken Starr, the prosecutor, the special prosecutor that took on Bill Clinton to impeach Bill and got Bill impeached is now arguing that this is not impeachable. Getting a blowjob and lying about it under oath is an impeachable offense. Holding aid to one of our allies that is currently at war with Russia, holding aid from Ukraine that cost Ukrainian lives, doing it for your own political benefit is not a crime. Are you out, cho-fucking-mind? Come on. Wake up, people. Wake up. Parnas and Fruman were arrested on campaign finance charges back in October. And Trump keeps trying to distance himself. Told reporters at the time, I don't know these gentlemen. It's possible I have a picture with them. Because I have a picture with everybody. I don't know them. Bunch of pictures, bro. Over the course of many, many years. Stop it. Honestly, we're at a place now where it is just not anymore a legitimate 
position to defend or support Donald Trump. It is not. I watched the Curb Your Enthusiasm premiere tonight, and Larry David wears a, a Make America Great Again hat because nobody wants to talk to him when he wears it, and he gets to avoid people. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I mean, how is this? Oh, by the way, Devin Nunes also apparently knew Lev Parnas, claimed he didn't, and then it got revealed with call logs that, oh, yeah, you had a phone call with him. And then Nunes is like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. I was helping coordinate stuff with Parnas and Trump. Oh, but you're the House Intelligence Committee ranking member. You were one of the leaders of the impeachment inquiry in the House. And you were in on the shit? We need witnesses. Demand of your senators that they call witnesses. Call your senators. Get them to call damn witnesses, okay? Nunes denied any involvement the whole time, and then he, all of a sudden he's been on the phone with the guy. These people not think shit's going to come out? Shit's going to come out, dude. What the fuck? It's unbelievable, just the level of balls. There's a huge high level of balls that it honestly takes. U.S. Congress is looking into it. The House Foreign Affairs Committee is requesting materials about these threats, because oh, that's the other thing. Parnas and Fruman apparently, in these revealed documents, were it almost sounded like they were trying to take a hit out on Yovanovitch. That's not proven, but they were saying, like, let us know if you want us to take care of her. We know her whereabouts, her moves. If we get the right amount of money, we can make it happen. Like, insane, frightening statements. And Undersecretary of State for, for the, uh, the Undersecretary of State for Management, Chairman Elliot Engel, Chairman Elliot Engel, Democrat from New York, wrote, he was deeply concerned about these efforts to watch and potentially threaten Yovanovitch. Yeah, no shit. It's an ambassador to our government, and we have mobsters threatening her, potentially her life, definitely following her. How on earth is this not an outrage to both parties? It is not a partisan issue. Engel said, and I quote, I cannot overstate the profound security risk that this poses to the U.S. mission and our interests in Ukraine. I mean, right there, dude. And to the larger matter, this was also very good news that the Senate is trying to ignore. A bombshell congressional report was dropped this last week. But the Trump administration illegally withheld the approved U.S. aid to Ukraine. They have decided, they are a nonpartisan group, that it officially was against the law to withhold the aid. They're a congressional watchdog group, and their report released Thursday of last week said that. It is the U.S. Government Accountability Office, or GAO, that I think Trump tweeted calling it like the TAC. It's the TAC, Government Accountability Office, okay? No, it's GAO found that the Office of Management and Budget, or OMB, violated federal law under Trump's direction. This is a very important quote. You got to hear this. Quote from this report, faithful execution of the law does not permit the president to substitute his own policy priorities for those that Congress has enacted into law. OMB withheld funds for a policy reason which is not permitted under the Impoundment Control Act. The withholding was not a programmatic delay. Therefore, we conclude that OMB violated that act. Black and white. 
They kept saying the whole time, you didn't commit a crime. You're accusing him of things that aren't crimes in these impeachment articles. Well, now you got the crime. If you get the crime, you got to do the time. I will rhyme all day long like whatever his name was from the OJ trial. Johnny Cochran. And I hope somebody created a porn character inspired by him named Johnny Cochran. You have to pray. You got to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. Leave us a quote from MC Hammer. I think you have to pray just to make it today. Is Mayor Pete Mayo Pete? The Daily Beast asks. It's a nickname Pete Buttigieg has been given by teenagers who think he's, quote, bland and overwhelmingly white. His first public comments on the Mayo Pete meme have not helped his case against it. An interview with the editorial board of the New York Times ended up with them endorsing Warren and Klobuchar. What? Two. It's so weird, still confusing to me. I kind of like that they let us make the decision and aren't like choosing because they are so, so diametrically, oppo- diametrically opposite, but the choices we have this election, but still. Buddha judge in this off-the-record off the meeting claimed he'd never heard the term. And also, if it's an off-the-record meeting, maybe this actually was an, this was, sorry, this was an on-the-record um, interview with the editorial board, not the off-the-record one. In the meeting, he said that he'd never heard of the term used to ridicule him, and, uh, and then said he can't stand any type of mayonnaise other than the unflavored original. I feel you on that, Peter. Mayor Peter. If he wins, we should call him Mayor Peter, I think. Mayor, Mayor Peter, President Peter. He'd never heard the nickname. And when he heard about it, that it was because he, they, people think he's bland, white, and gross, he replied, I get the white part. Well, yeah, you're white, bro. You're super white. You're whiter than me, and I'm pretty white. I'm not that white, but, like, you're extra white. You're, like, tied white with bleach. Um, he said that after he told the story of his decision to come out, he believed that he that, that would make him less male. Look, I, uh, I'm not a mayo fan. I like it only in macaroni salad and lightly in coleslaw and super lightly in potato salad. I will not put it on a sandwich. You don't need it. Sandwiches are amazingly tasty with just mustard and all the rest of the fixings. I even like a good Subway sandwich. But not a fan of throwing mayonnaise and making your sandwich 17 times less healthy. Hong Kong must fall in line to keep freedom. Say what? Gary Lam, the leader of Hong Kong, warns that Hong Kong will only be able to retain its autonomy beyond the 2047 expiration date if the city's young people behave themselves. The chief executive warned them. The city was handed over, of course, to China by the United Kingdom, Great Britain, as it were, in 1997 under a quote, one country, two systems framework, which has to remain in place for 50 years. But the city has been gripped, as we've all seen. They've been completely at the mercy of these pro-democracy protests that were sparked by Beijing, the capital of China, China, trying to tighten its control over Hong Kong. 
And one of the big ones initially that the big one that initially created it was they were trying to get extradition so that they could bring criminals from Hong Kong to, to trial on the mainland. That makes them not autonomous, and that's what led to the fight over all these different issues about their freedom being stifled and siphoned, siphoned off and stifled on. Do you get what I'm saying? Lam said Hong Kong's existing freedoms could carry on after 2047, but said the protesters are risking them with their actions. Quote, she said, there is enough reason to believe one country, two systems will not change after 2047. But she added the young people and said they are in danger of violating the principle on, quote, temporary misunderstandings. The scenario they worry about today may be triggered by their own hand. No, it's triggered by you not defending your own people, not stepping up for their freedom and being beholden and controlled by the Chinese government. If you're autonomous, if you're independent, then you're independent and autonomous. You can't have this bullshit. We had great domestic news. An airplane dropped fuel on children this week. Finally, finding a way to ruin recess. Obviously not great news. Pretty shitty news. A day after a Delta Airlines plane dumped jet fuel over several L.A. County schools. Was the guy looking for schools? Dump it again, Rover School. Dump it again. Authorities said the pilots didn't even ask for approval to release the fuel. Well, that's obvious because if you ask for approval to release fuel over a school, they're going to say no. So you have to do it on your own, on your own free will at that point, you know. They asked, they were asked if they needed to dump fuel, and the pilots actually said they, they did not need to dump the fuel. So I don't know what's up. There's an investigation underway. Luckily, nobody was seriously injured, but a lot of kids had to be treated for fuel dropping out of the sky onto their body. Hot jet fuel. I don't know about all this. I also, when I was in Minnesota... Walked by, you might have seen it on my Instagram stories. The Air Traffic Controllers Administration was having a big old holiday party on a Sunday night, late into the night. Everybody getting drunk. Ran into a woman who was there walking back into the party. And I'm like, are you guys getting wasted right now? And she goes, yeah. If you're flying tomorrow, good luck. <laughs> and stumbled back into the party. Um, Not cool. Normally fuel gets dropped way up in the air, so it evaporates before it hits the ground, but they dropped it at 8,000 feet and even dropped it as low as 2,300 feet as they were descending for an emergency landing. Why can't they just land with full fuel? I don't ever understand. 50 people were injured, 20 students. You know? And not just the bullies. It was random. If they could target the bullies, I'm fine with some fuel, hot fuel justice hitting their head, but it doesn't work out that way. Trump and China signed phase one of a mediocre trade deal, I shout, judgingly. Trump lauded it as the biggest deal anybody has ever seen. But in China, they were a little more realistic about what it was, saying that it was just aimed at ending the trade tensions between the two countries. Trump and and Chinese Vice Premier Liu He signed an initial pact that will see China buy more U.S. products, and the U.S. is canceling additional tariffs on Chinese goods. But Trump keeps praising it like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And sliced bread's not that great. It's okay. I could slice it myself. Does it save me some time? Yes, but the carbs, the gluten. The first phase of the agreement definitely leaves both sides with regret 
and unhappiness, the Chinese government said, which is exactly the response that a fair agreement will elicit. So they're saying that it's fine, it's a beginning, but in any agreement, both sides need to feel that way. And I'm going to give you right now a media bias alert. Woo-hoo-wee-hee-hee, media bias alert. Because that headline was reported by the Daily Beast as China expresses regret and unhappiness over Trump trade deal. Not what they said. There's one moment here I'll defend Trump a little bit. Don't paint things as starkly as you can always on both sides. Not every Oscars has to be huge controversy and backlash. And the deal, they're they're, they're just saying this is how deals go. Both sides feel regret and unhappiness because you both give a lot. They're not saying they don't like the deal overall. But it's in progress to see how it all shakes down and if Phase 2 will be able to to come through. Akon, R&B star, has his own city now in Senegal, West Africa, called Akon City. The only currency will be Acoin, his own cryptocurrency. No joke on any of this stuff. It's just a fact. Akon now has his own city with his own currency. The world's weird. I met Akon once when I was doing the Grammys red carpet for the Grammys. I was talking with Monica, the R&B legendary singer. Was there a flirtatious vibe between us? Kind of, yeah. We had a great connection. We were laughing during the interview and then again at, after the Clive Davis party night before the Grammys. She and I were talking when everybody was dispersing, trying to make plans. She's like, I think we're all going out to eat. I'm like, where are you guys going out to eat? She's like, I think maybe Jerry's Deli. We're about to, I was about to get the invite to tag along, and some dude rolls up and goes, who are you? Kind of aggressively. And I'm like, I'm Ben Glebe. Who are you? And he goes, Akon. I'm like, all right, dude, I'm not an Akon fan. I don't know who you are. So he's a little cocky dude. I'm not shocked to hear he bought a city that is fueled by his own money. That's all I'm saying. Food for thought. The term fat shaming is in and of itself fat shaming you know what i'm saying because like take the story from just this week jillian michaels refused all the headlines say jillian michaels refuses to apologize for fat shaming lizzo well that means you're calling lizzo fat in the headlines everybody's like she shouldn't fat shame her like that when you repeat the word fat maybe you should call it overweight shaming or weight shaming maybe but using the word fat that's a pretty negative descriptor isn't it so it's a way to make people Feel bad for fat shaming someone while kind of doing it yourself. It's a new thought. I don't know if you agree or not, but let me know. And another random thought, I'd like to have kids someday. Maybe. Leaning more towards that side of my brain, but I am concerned about the responsibility level. How am I supposed to try to raise my own children and my Instagram numbers at the same time? That seems difficult. I hope you spent some time this week thinking about Kelly Clarkson's sex life. I did. It was forced upon me as I was reading around the internet. The Voice season 14 winner, Bryn Cartelli, asked her former coach about the last thing she does before bed every night during a round of Ask Me Anything on the Kelly Clarkson show. Her response, quote, I was single for many years, so I have children now, and how one makes children is generally what I do before bed. That's not a lie. That's real. 
And it's not weird. It's natural. Kelly Clarkson banging it down on the nightly. Who knew? Who would have thunk it? Makes me see Kelly Clarkson in a whole new light now. What is she doing behind those hazel eyes? I'd like to know. And now, it is time to check in with the Brain Trust. The Glebe Squad. The Glebe Nation. The Glebe Mob. The Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The Friends of Benefits. The Bee Glebers. It's time for Twitter Answers. I asked the Brain Trust, what's the drunkest you've ever been? And people loved this question, I'll tell you that much. At Holly underscore Havoc started us off easy with, I got drunk in public on Bourbon Street in New Orleans French Quarter. Please, Holly, God bless you for entering the responses here. But let me show you a real answer to this question. At Jake Reardon 14 said, college, Halloween, 11 drinks in 1.5 hours, and more. Blackout, lost belt, ripped non-consecutive belt loops, random makeout, stagger, fall, walking home, punched street, punched the street, bleed, caked in mud, blow, point one seven on breathalyzer, throw up, war of the world's red gunk in corner of room, Lost phone, was found in center of campus on a bench. We never went to campus, walked straight from party house to our dorm. Forever a mystery how I got there. And no hangover. No hangover after all that? That is impressive. Damn. I had some pretty good drunken nights in college. Whole bunches of them. Wendy Croy replied, I once hooked up with a young comedian, no names, in the bathroom of the comedy store. Remember? And then said joke, and then said maybe implying that she and I hooked up in the bathroom of the comedy store. Or is she joking? Well, I can't remember it. I even pulled out my phone, looked up. Contacts, tried to see if anybody could jog my memory there. Anything could jog my memory about maybe this did happen between Wendy and I. As far as I can say with a strong amount of confidence, I do not believe that happened. But hey, I've had drunken times back in my 20s at that comedy store. It's possible. William Z. Lackey, at Chef underscore Ski, our Trump-supported listener of ours, says, started drinking on base with friends, woke up alone, off base, in a hotel, naked with a woman massaging me. I was in the military in Korea. Still don't know how I got there since I had to exit base. Um, this is an incredible story. And despite your support for the Orange Monster, we have to thank you for your service to our country. Your judgment may have gone down a little bit since then. But at least you get drunk and have incredible things happen. People get drunk and they vomit in the corner. Some people get drunk and end up being massaged while naked on a massage table. You didn't say it was on a table, but, you know, I hope you were comfortable at least. Woman massaging your naked body? Good Lord, that's lucky. El Cochino at Barella Mike fell out of the back of an El Camino and didn't know who or what beat my ass until I went back to school the next Monday and was told it was actually the pavement. Never drank Old English again. First of all, yeah, Old English can fuck you up for sure. Second, I love that people at school had to tell you what happened. The whole school knew about it. That's legendary stuff, my friend. Daryl Kenyon 
at DReal6627 says, ran into a newspaper stand headfirst on the strip in Las Vegas and had to be fireman carried from the Luxor all the way to Caesar's Palace by my friend. That is like a hell of a friend, okay? Because those hotels are very far apart. It takes years to walk between those hotels. And it's amazing that you were able to do it or be carried, that your friend was able to carry you all the way that, that distance. Did you get that friend drunk on you the next day? I hope you did. I'm praying for him that, you, that he got free, free beers out of that. Free fireball shots, perhaps. Did they have fireball shots then? I got pretty drunk one time and got into a pretty bad argument with a girlfriend of mine at the time who um, did something not cool at all. I stormed out of there and kind of had a uh, my own little argument with a, with a newspaper stand myself. I won. 60 degree or bust at goblin underscore stance said got drunk in Venice in 2000. I assume you mean the city of Venice in Italy because I was drinking champagne that went straight to my head when I stood up, got lost in the rain and rising tide, wading through a yard of water from midnight to 3 a.m., passing my hotel several times unknowingly before seeing it when I sat down. On a bench, I'd passed over and over. Hotel was locked, so I leaned on the buzzer for 15 minutes until somebody let me in. Still hammered at that point. I'd had two bottles of champagne to myself and woke up with the worst hangover ever when the annoyed and vengeful staff began pestering me about letting them clean the room. Still the best vacation I ever took. Oh, I love that. Getting drunk in Europe was pretty fun. I did that in Nice one time. Went to a nightclub, ended up being the Playboy Club's night there. And just had a great, fun, drunken night dancing at a club and staring at girls up on the stage dancing that I could never have the confidence to talk to and staring at pretty girls on the dance floor down below where our civilians were at that I also didn't have the confidence to talk to. One of my friends on the trip with me when I was 18 did talk to a girl, got her number, nothing happened. I just sat there uh, scared, confused, unconfident. But it was it was good memories. And I liked the water there and the beach the next morning as I played back in my brain how much of a baby little bitch I am for not having talked to those girls. John Hollowich, the hologram himself, waking up in my parents' house and thinking someone stole my car. I lived two blocks away and my car was still at the bar. I have a similar story. I one time got up in the morning after having drunk pretty heavily at the improv the night before and got up for a Chelsea lately taping, wrote my jokes, but I often have a habit of running late places. And I was a little bit even later this day because of having drank the night before. And I am behind schedule. I speed down to my parking garage in my old apartment in Hollywood and my car's not there. And I'm sure my car is stolen. I don't know what to do. And then it hits me that I, was responsible the night before as I could be having been drunk before TV taping. And I left my car at the improv parking lot. I did not have time to go get the car. I had to call a cab. This was pre Uber days. There was no Uber. Didn't know what to do. There was no cabs. I tried to call cab numbers. Nobody said it would be too long of a wait. I ran down I was leaving from the taping straight to the airport for a road gig. So I had to have bags with me. I had suits with me. I was going, I think, to a wedding or something, so I had, I had a suit loose and bags, and I'm running down to Hollywood Boulevard, got in a cab, 
I get in the cab. I'm like, I'm so sorry to rush you, but please, if you can hurry up to the Chelsea Lately Studios in Santa Monica. And the guy says, oh, I can't rush at all. I have uh, too many points on my record. One more, my license gets taken away. So he's going like a turtle. I'm going to miss the taping entirely. And so I asked him to take me to my car at the improv parking lot. And I had to speed like a demon to get to this taping. And I did not, I'm not proud of how unsafely I drove that day. Luckily, it was all good. Nothing bad happened. Got to the taping eight minutes before tape time. Eight minutes. And Chelsea Handler could not have been cooler about it. She, we used to have a meet, we had back, back in the day then, in early seasons, we used to have a meeting with her before every episode to go over what some of our jokes were. And instead of doing it in the green room, she did it at my makeup chair and had all the other panelists and producers come around my makeup chair to have the meeting. It was really, really cool of her. I also wasn't dressed well that day, looked terrible, but I had some pretty good jokes. Remember a particular Kirstie Alley joke was pretty solid. And, uh, New Year, same Trash Goblin, a hell of a name you've got there for your handle, at Daroa of Sultan, said, I once ran around my university campus and stole all the wet floor signs I could find. I stashed them in my shower and had no idea I'd done it. That is cold right there. You're making people slip on wet floors? I one time was drunk going through through campus my freshman year and somebody, or my sophomore year, and somebody in my fraternity was knocking down, like, signs of campus events in the dorm, and that wasn't cool to do. But at least they weren't signs that could injure people by not noticing the floors wet. Bold. Not cool, but bold. Vincent Fitzgerald, LCSW, at Scribe Therapist says, In 2003, I was wheeled to my hotel room on a luggage cart by my wife after a friend's wedding. She's not my wife anymore. Yeah, I get that one. At Crunchy89... Got so drunk, I started an auction at the bar over who would let me stick things in their pee holes for the least amount of money. After deciding on a winner, I fell asleep in the restroom, and the owner had to come down with a key. Um, I don't ever want to get drunk with you, and I don't like having even had to read that. I don't know why I chose to read it on the podcast. Um... Why Why are people going to pay you, let alone auction-style raised amounts, to stick things in their pee holes? Why? What do you bring to the table with this? Are you good at it? Patrick Smith at Patzilla99. I was once so far gone that my teeth felt numb. Um, Patrick, let me explain something to you. You got really drunk, and you then also did coke, and you don't remember it. Blaze Boyd at Blaze the Guy. Running home at 2 in the morning, age 17, when a police car comes. Hope that I just looked tired from running and not totaled. He rolled down his window to talk to me for a bit, and not a full minute after we'd begun talking did I mention my parents' disappointment in me. Ah, <laughs> oh, he felt bad. First time I drank, I was about 17, and it was with Mickey's. Remember, remember Mickey's? Those little Mickey's grenades, and there was also 40s and Mickey's too, but I liked the grenades better. Could get through them a little bit better. Only did it a couple times. Didn't get really properly drunk though until New Year's Eve, after my junior year of college at Todd's house. The Pulp Fiction soundtrack to this day is one of my favorites because it reminds me of one of the first times I ever felt altered. It was a very cool, interesting, unique experience. 
Not that getting drunk is cool, but, you know, sometimes it is. Not the, not the uncoolest. I like it. When you're being responsible, fuck it. Go for it. Hari at Pater underscore Hari says, I got so drunk that I told myself not to drink again. Then I realized, why would I listen to someone who's drunk? So, yeah, I'm drinking right now. Cheers, mate. <laughs> I love that. Pretty solid one to end on. Again, I'll be at the Comedy Store Tuesday. Uh, you missed it already. And then I'll be in Phoenix this weekend, Thursday through Sunday at the House of Comedy. Tickets at BenGlebe.com. Edmonton Comic Strip, end of February. Tickets, same website. And more dates being added soon. New tour being announced very soon. And on that note, it is time for the Thunder Round. Deaf man sues Pornhub. You heard me. Pornhub. Searches may have been very popular in 2019. We reported that last or two weeks ago in our decade in review. Maybe it was last week. Who knows? I was busy doing stuff. I don't know if I can tell you what it was. But one man is not buying into all the hype. Instead, he is suing the adult site for not providing closed captioning on their videos. His name is Yaroslav Suris. He is suing the Pornhub video sharing website claiming, quote, it's denied the deaf and hearing impaired access to its videos that others can easily enjoy. According to court documents, Suris says lack of closed captioning violates their rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Dude, the plot of these films is really that important to you? Because a lot of us are just watching it for the uh, sex scenes. I don't know if you're familiar with the purpose of porn, but, you know. I'm sure you've heard, I'm sure you've seen pictures. Also, please don't sue all podcasters and radio hosts for not being on TV. That's another issue, you know? Please also don't sue all podcasters and radio hosts for not Appearing visually on TV, there are certain mediums that just aren't going to be best suited for translating stuff, and there's millions of videos, and you can still get the enjoyable part out of it. I mean, I guess if you really want stuff translated, go ahead and try to get that done, but I'm just saying porn is still providing you a nice free service. And maybe just don't, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, you know? British company will sell knives with square tips after a sharp rise in knife crime. Insider reports, that is a great damn idea. Why has no one thought of that before? In a bid to tackle knife crime, British cutlery and kitchenware firm Viners, founded in 1901, has a new range of knives with square ends. Why do we need the tip on the end? No one's cutting stuff by stabbing it. You're sharp, you're, you're, you're saw-styling your way into things. Why not do that for all knives? That way you can't stab a fool, you can just slowly saw them into pieces. There's a lot more time to get away that way. If someone has to come up to you and slowly start cutting, they're going to make a lot less damage than just stabbing you out, right? This is a great idea. Only problem is, that, of course, there's billions of knives already out there. So you might just be putting yourself at a disadvantage buying these new square ones. Who knows? The company says the, rain, the, the, the new range of knives named the Assure Collection 
has been created in response to rising knife crime statistics. It's been repeatedly tested to make sure the tip does not pierce skin intentionally or otherwise. This is a damn good idea. I just wish they'd thought of it centuries ago, you know? Help the Australia wildfires by masturbating? I can't believe I'm actually reporting. Brisbane sex toy supplier Geeky Sex Toys has released a special donation dildo with 100% of the proceeds going toward bushfire recovery. The Down Under Donation Dildo, this is not a joke, I'm not making any of this up, has been created to inevitably aid those most affected by the fires. Quote, this silicone toy was designed specifically as our way to help out our neighbors in need. Buying a sex toy has never felt so good. Um, If you haven't seen it, it's worth a Google. The base of it is shaped like Australia, an unnecessary feature. There's also a koala bear protruding on the base of the shaft there, on the shaft above the base. So if you get it in there good enough, you're going to be getting close and personal with a plastic koala. And none of this is necessary, but especially that part. It's the attention to detail that really creates genius and also ruins a good thing, you know? The dildo is appropriately priced at $69. There is the option to include an additional donation. Or you can just help by donating directly to the fires and not also getting yourself a dildo. Either way. And our last story. The 2020 Tokyo Olympics has decided that all athletes will be sleeping on cardboard beds. What? It's true. To help the environment, there will be beds made of cardboard and they are assuring the athletes they will not collapse during sex. News18.com reporting this. And so am I now. Why would they do it, though? Like the the envo- environment's very important, for sure. But these are stressed athletes. And they have to not be worried about sleeping on a shitty bed. I don't know why I'm that concerned for them. They're definitely having more sex than I am. So maybe I should just let it be. Maybe it'd be funny to have collapsible beds. Maybe it could be the next sport. Who can bang the longest on a cardboard bed? without it collapsing on you. The Tokyo 2020 games are supposed to be the most eco-friendly games ever. The awards will be made, the medals themselves will be made out of recycled phones. So no gold anymore? That's some bullshit. And the beds, cardboard frames. Airweave is the name of the company. They conducted experiments apparently like dropping weights on top of the beds. So that person who run the experiment has never had sex. Because it's not a weight just getting dropped from above. It's repeated and often from the side. The spokesperson from the company said as long as they stick to just two people in the bed, they should be strong enough to support the load. I'm assuming pun intended there. But two to a bed is going to be hard for athletes preparing for relay races. Not to mention if you're on a team sport and you really want to win. I've seen the warm-ups. I've played AYSO. It's hard out there. You do what you can. You do what it takes to succeed. Until last week, next week. This has been Last Week on Earth. Last Week on Earth.